Yo, 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 Ski, it's Mr. Cade Call at the Gaming Memories Podcast, where you know the drill, I've been commissioned by the gaming gods themselves, who are Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost, to create the one true video game podcast, and I was instructed to do so by inviting creative and interesting people to come on the podcast and talk about their favorite gaming memories growing up, and today, we have no exception, we have another creative and interesting person on the podcast to discuss their gaming memories. Surprise, surprise, motherfucker. We stick to the plan, bitch. Today's guest is, drumroll please, Dearest Abby. A good friend here, Dearest Abby, is what we would call a uh, semi-pro Donkey Kong player. Or you could say she's fucking good at Donkey Kong. Like, stupid good. Um, so we talked about that. I had a semi-pro Street Fighter player on the podcast a while back, Mr. Thomas Winkley. Make sure to check that episode out if you're interested into the inner workings of the competitive fighting scene. And Abby gives us a similar peek into the inside world of the people who get re-fucking-diculously good at Donkey Kong. We also talk about the infamous and popular... A documentary, The King of Kong, A Fist Full of Quarters. And Abby gives us an update on what has happened since the documentary came out. I was completely unaware of how much had happened since the documentary came out. And the documentary is really, really good. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, it might be good to watch that first and then listen to the episode if you feel so inclined. And not to mention, Abby is the first female guest on the podcast. Hooray! I'm not sexist anymore! Woo! I can sleep in peace. I was so weird about it. Anyway, uh, thank you to Abby for coming on to the podcast. As you guys should know, I'm a terribly, obviously I'm a creep and a terrible human being because I've reached out to like a gajillion girls and they all say no. Like no girl, I, I've been trying to get girls on the podcast just because it would be interesting to have like a streamer on, cosplay chick, just someone different than who I usually have, which is like musicians and dudes who game. Another white dude who plays video games. Interesting. Uh... So, I've been trying, and up until now, I've been very unsuccessful, and Abby broke my losing streak. So, give it up to Abby. Check her shit out. Dearest Abby on Insta, Twitch. Give it up for my good friend, Dearest Abby. I say these things in the name of Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost. Enjoy the show. Well, I was going to say, what's up, dude, but (laughs) technically you're not a dude, Uh, and you are my first female guest, and I've talked to you about this before. I have been trying to get a female on the podcast for like eight months, and uh, nobody would come on, and I was afraid I was going to get attacked for like being sexist or something. So I appreciate you providing me with some uh, political cover by being on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be an honorary dudette. A dudette. You are a, you can hang. So I've met you through uh, this Patrick Hickey Jr., which is a lot of our guests have met through. Check him out. He's the guy that writes books. He's pretty awesome. I have two episodes with him. He started a group, Retro Game Mafia. And you, the first thing I noticed about you is you are fucking good at Donkey Kong. I didn't realize it until I started. <laughs> Thank you. Like you would post your your scores. And I'm like, oh yeah, she's good at Donkey Kong. Like whatever. And I had seen the, uh, the I know you're, I can't, 
tell if you're a fan of Billy Mitchell or not a fan. I can't remember the argument that was had about that, where you cited on that. But my only awareness of Donkey Kong was that documentary, which I'm sure we'll get into. And I had for- sure. I had forgotten like what the scores were and what was considered a high score. And then uh, I like started looking scores up and then had this moment like, oh, oh, she's really good at Donkey Kong. <laughs> I try. I'm not one of the best, but I'm pretty good. How'd you get, how'd you get into, like, how'd you get so good? Like what started the Donkey Kong? Long story short, I wanted to be a part of the gang. So when I first started dating my husband, he would regularly compete in arcade tournaments and we would say, oh, like, oh, what are you doing? And he would be practicing a game for the week. And I would get jealous of that. I would say, I want to play. I want to practice. I want to do something. And over time, he would set up gauntlets for different games. And the first game was Miss Pac-Man. And he would up the score, like, try this, do this pattern, try these different things. And then it would be a different game. And it would be the same concept, you know, to get better and better and to become a good player. Because he would compete and he would know what not so good scores are, what pretty good scores are. Uh, and eventually we stumbled on Donkey Kong because that is like the epitome of becoming good at video games. And once I got there, I noticed I was getting more activity on Twitch and more people who would come on and say, like, try this pattern, do these things. And then the joke of me being the queen of Kong was that I was so terrible. I was the opposite of the king of Kong that I wanted to be known for how not good I was. So I took that title and I rolled with it and I just said, you know what? Let's put a positive spin on this. I'm going to keep playing until I am a good female Donkey Kong competitor. And it has gotten to the point where I'm like, fuck yeah, this is great. <laughs> how much time, like how many hours do you think it's taken you to get to the level you're at? You're at? I think it was probably... Maybe the end of 2019, because I remember going into 2020 wanting to be the Queen of Kong. So at least a solid year that I have been, you know, maybe once every other month going back and playing and playing. And the trick with playing a competitive game of Donkey Kong, trying to get a good score, is that you can play seven, eight games. And it isn't until you get to that ninth game, are you really on a roll with it? Are you in that zone? So it could take two hours, three hours before you find that right game and you're on that PB roll. Huh, that's interesting. That's actually less time than I thought. I, I would have assumed... How old were you when this started? So you, how old were you a year ago? 31. 31. I just made 32. Okay. So at 31 years old, or let me 30 and a half years old, you're, <laughs> you're not like really good at any games and you get into playing games with your husband. And then why did Donkey Kong stick versus the other ones? I guess because I noticed more activity in the community. The Donkey Kong community has a lot of players that want to see other players succeed. They want mm. to show you the right pattern. They want you to get a higher score because it's just as exciting for them as it is for you when you finally have that right game. Mm. So, so it wasn't necessarily anything in particular about the game, but rather the community. The community... 
and it's fun. And I mean, I will say I did watch King of Kong and I was kind of like, man, that can't be that hard. There's another document. <laughs> <laughs> I really did at first. I was like, there's no way they're making this big of a deal about it for nothing. And then, man, I bit off more than I could chew. It is definitely a challenge. That leads me to my next question. So do you think... Because I, I was initially a little surprised that it only took you a year to get that good, considering how good you are. I mean, I, I don't know how big the Donkey Kong community is, but your scores are, from what I like looked at online, Instagram, people casually playing. And uh, you did a post where other people were posting their scores, just like regular people playing Donkey Kong. And mm-hmm. I think you were like, haha, that's a cute score. And then you posted one of yours and it was like five decimal places higher or whatever it was. It was like, damn, okay. She's really, really good, but it only took you a year. Do you think that's because if you get into Donkey Kong now, back in the day when it was Billy Mitchell and the other guy, they didn't have the internet. They couldn't talk to other people. They couldn't see other, they couldn't study other players' patterns on YouTube. Is that why you think, like, how, like, how'd you get good so fast? Practice. It, honest to God, is just over and over and practicing and watching other people play and listening to the things that they tell you because they've been on that particular board before and they know when that wild barrel comes flying down and they know there's a saying, watch the monkey because the way he moves or the certain way that he throws the barrel, you know which direction on the board it's going to go. And it is that kind of, you have to know what kind of things happen for which board to make that's that zone I keep talking about. You have to turn your brain on to all of these little tiny things. And I think now versus then, you have the ability to watch other people play. Whereas back in the day, you were on top of that machine like everybody else was. We're all trying to watch, see what's going on, whose quarter is lined up next on top of that machine because I'm ready to go. And you had to get in as many good plays as you could on that one quarter. But now you just hit replay yes. and you just practice over and over and over and over until you get that. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, if you're playing on an emulator, you can just, yeah, just instantly restart next game over and over and over again. Plus being able to watch other people's footage and study. That makes sense. How much time did you spend watching other players' footage during this period of time? Um, I would watch casually because... I was learning to love it at the time because it gets really frustrating. You get really put down if you just have one night where you can't get anything going and you don't get a PB and you're just not getting the interaction you want. And it kind of puts you in a negative space. Mm. So I would take a month or two off. I guess you just have to practice and watch. And that sounds so silly because it's like, oh, every other answer is going to be like, oh, practice makes perfect. No, but really... There's a board on Donkey Kong, the spring board, and there's a theory that the springs there come out in 15 different patterns. So you have to learn which pattern, which spring hops on, and seeing other people go. And when they go, when they move Mario or Jumpman at that time, your brain can start to recognize, okay, that's when they go. When I play again, that's when I'm going to go. So is Donkey, I've never, I've honestly, I mean, I've played the game, like the original Donkey Kong, but it's been so long sure. and I've played it so very little. I know almost virtually nothing about the game, but it sounds like it's a game that requires a lot of trial and error and memorization. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Got to. If you don't learn those patterns, you're, you're down for the count. If you don't know how to maneuver those fireballs on certain levels, psh, dead. One man down. So you have to, so you have to memorize. Okay, when I get to this level, the fireballs move a different way. 
And, mm-hmm. and then on the next level, they move in there. And then this level, there's a variation, a random chance it could choose between these five different patterns. And so the, the idea is the more patterns you can stack and remember, the farther you can, the deeper you can go or the higher you could go, I should say. Right. And even the randomness of it. So the best part about Donkey Kong is that the first four boards are totally random. You don't have too much control over the barrels. But once you hit level five and up until the end of the game, the way that it is created is the way Jumpman is facing, the barrels will fall down that ladder. So if you can learn to face, if you can kind of jerk them in the right direction, the barrels will fall out of your way. So you don't have to worry about them coming down towards you. I know. That's an insider tip. Dang. So, so in the, yeah, that makes sense. So you have to time it like, okay, the barrel's going to come out. I don't, I want it to go left. So I need to make sure because of the way the the level's set up, right? I want to look the ladder. I want to, I want this one to go left. So I need to make sure, is it like a frame period? Is it like right when he throws the barrel, when it lands? Like when do you have to be turned the direction for the game to decide the barrel goes that direction? As soon as it reaches where it would turn down that ladder. So you can kind of be so close to that ladder and just hit that controller split second the right way and it'll fall down just where you want it to. And what's fascinating with that is these million point players can group their barrels. They can get two and, excuse me, three barrels and hop those to get more consecutive points. It's the craziest thing to watch. There's no fear. I'm afraid. I don't want those barrels to touch me because I know I'm going to be down a guy. But these guys, they will move that controller and get three barrels, 300, 800 points left and right. Like, nobody's business. Have you ever have you ever grouped a three barrel yet? Have you hit that threshold? Accidentally. Accidentally. But I'm not proud of that. I want to be able to say, no, I put those barrels together. Uh, nice. I can kind of feel that. I do a lot of jujitsu and there's the one particular move, an arm bar. It's like a really basic move, but I just don't like them and I don't do them very much. But I did catch a really slick arm bar on a, a pretty uh, skilled competitor. And I don't All know right. how and I don't know how it happened. And I've never done it again. And it just it just happened. You get there. And I'm like, ah, damn it. That's, I mean, that's, but I view it as the reason I brought that up is I know that that's the precursor to doing it on command is to sort of have it happen sometimes on accident. It's like your mm-hmm. your subconscious is like s- slowly putting the things together and your coordination. I bet that's what's happening. I bet. Oh, definitely. I bet because it's happened to you, you've done it by accident. You're probably not that far away from having a few more accidents. And then from there, you're going to start being able to do it on purpose. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited for it. You better post a clip when you do a three-group barrel. Oh, hell yeah. Just for you. And I'll send it to you. And I'll be like, please be proud of me. I'm already, I'm already. You, it reminds me, the reason I'm proud is uh, the, I had, I got schooled once really heavy by an uh, old girlfriend's dad. I went to go visit this girl's family and I was into games and I played a lot of games. And he was this baby boomer dude who did concrete, a gruffy blue collar guy. Didn't look like he's ever played a video game in his life. And he didn't. He didn't play games at all. But he was incredibly good at, I think it's Centipede. Yes, Centipede. The one where you have the track ball, like you slide the ball. And Mm -hmm. uh, he had a Centipede machine in his basement. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I game, whatever. And I was talking to the girl at the time. Like, she's like, my dad's pretty good. And I just think I'm, I play all games. I've played a lot of old retro games. I've been gaming my whole life. I probably can school this old man at Centipede. And bro, it was a massacre. 
Like, oh no! I went first, and I I've played that game quite a bit. It took me a second. I played it on emulators a lot. It took me a mm-hmm. second to get used to the uh, like the actual track box. I'd never played it with that, like an actual arcade cabinet. But he let me do like three runs, and by the third run, I thought I did pretty dang good. So I'm feeling pretty confident. And within uh-huh. like 15, not even that, within seven seconds of watching him kill like the first three centipede things. I knew that it was a bloodbath. Like, it's like when you see someone who's really good, and I think you could probably see that in Donkey Kong players too. Like, the moment you see them, like, like if you're watching a new streamer and you see them turn that barrel right, like the pixel right before it touches them, and then just casually go up the ladder, you already, you probably already know, like, oh, that guy's good. He's gonna, he's gonna land a score around in this, this range. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I think I was really humbled. That's the first time I saw someone in person who was, like legitimately really good at a video game. And it was it was almost like I was in awe. First, I was surprised that this like concrete blue collar dude was a savage at this random video game. But it was, I had never seen that game played like that. Like the strategies, the way he would, because in Centipede, the closer you are, like a lot of uh, shumps, the closer you are to the thing you're hitting, your fire rate increases. Mm-hmm. So you can kill him faster. And he would slide that ball and stop it like one pixel vaporize it slide it back isn't that amazing and it was just i, I had, love that yeah i had it was the first time i had seen a retro game taken to like what you know equivalent of like a professional level of skill and uh it's so cool it was super cool i was blown away and then i i didn't really know i wanted to get into this um about donkey kong until i saw the king of kong documentary and for those who are not aware i think give people like a quick reader's digest of the documentary and then since i haven't followed up with what has happened since maybe fill us all in on where it's at with everything Okay, so Donkey Kong, in my opinion, is a controversial documentary highlighting the ups and downs of being a competitive Donkey Kong player. (laughs) It shows two men in particular, Steve Weeb and Billy Mitchell, going for the, at the time, world record on Donkey Kong. And they were following Twin Galaxies rules, and there's so many different kinds of rules and formats and way to do it. Is Twin Galaxies like considered the premier score to have though? At the top of the like they're the the, the authority? I think they're the original oh. and they were able to lay out the roadmap. So everybody kind of follows behind that. But there's so the controversy behind it is, if I can kind of reel back a little bit, when you're playing on old arcade games going for a PB, personal best, you can choose to play on a physical board, an actual arcade machine, or you can emulate on a MAME. But when people are calculating those scores or choosing whichever's best or going for their PB, it is customary to say, I got this score emulating the game. I got this score on the hardware. Can I interrupt you real quick? Just because yeah, sure. I'm super curious and interested. Why is it customary? Excuse me. <coughs> I just <coughs> smoked too much weed. Got the coronavirus. All right. Oh, man. Why is it customary? Is it because there's enough of a difference between the emulated version? Is there an advantage to the emulator? Like, why did that custom come to come to be in the first place? 
So for an emulation, you can pause the game at any time. If you're mm. playing on an emulated computer, you can make a quick default button, pause, and you can use things called save states. So if you are having a really good level four, but then you suck at level five, you can go back to your really good level four save start state. Start from there, yes. And start from yes. there. So that's not a nice thing to do, but people do it. I have been one of those people that do it because I was trying to increase my endurance while playing. I knew at this board I was going to struggle with it, so I wanted to start practicing yes. from this point that's forward. That's a good point. I had the thought, well, that's a great tool for training when you want to practice Correct. a certain board over and over and over again without having to play through the, you know, if you're struggling with board, well, I don't know how high up it goes, struggling with board 420 for pot. Uh, whatever you could just you could get there save a save state and then anytime you want to drill that board because you're struggling with those patterns yeah that's awesome but i could see if you up you you claim like a really good score but you started on like yeah a level four that was your best level four you've ever had and you just mm -hmm. use it as a springboard that makes sense so they when they say when you get the pb the custom is to say this was either on a cabinet or mame just there's almost like a br bragging rights. If you do it on the actual cabinet, it's seen yeah. as more legit. It's a little bit more authentic when you yeah. do it that way. I have an actual Donkey Kong cabinet, and I can't wait to get a PB on that. It just kind of solidifies your authenticity. All right. But I, Keep going. Yeah. I'm at the edge of my seat. <laughs> there is so much. It's so, like all of this information at one time. I, you have to hook up something called a Mr. Video to your actual cabinet. And before you even begin your game, before you start playing, you have to verify your device. So if you're using a MAME, you have to run it through something called Wolf MAME, and that, you know, disables save states. And that mm. kind of automatically configures your game, and then you have to record it. I can't remember what it's called, an IP something. And then that is what you was, would submit to Twin Galaxies and or whichever... Sorry to interrupt you again. Too. Do all the Twin Galaxies uh, and other score leaders have the same requirements to verify a MAME run? Like it's standardized? I think so. I think Wolf MAME is pretty much what everybody goes with. I know for different okay. versions of MAME, there's different, you know, programs you could use. And listen, if anybody's listening to this and I am very wrong, please reach out to me and correct me. This is all that I know. <laughs> You, uh, I have a feeling that you will know more than anyone listening to this podcast, so I wouldn't worry about it. All 12 people. Hey, those are the best 12 people. The best 12. The 12 apostles, I call them. All right, so oh, nice. the controversy, I'm, I'm, kind of remembering the, I'm kind of remembering the documentary now was he claimed a cabinet run, but there was evidence it was a main run. One of the, the Billy Mitchell, the long-haired guy. Right. I am a huge fan of Billy Mitchell. Okay. So, okay, you're pro Billy Mitchell. That's I knew you I were. I am yeah, very yeah. pro Billy Mitchell. He is such a good guy. I've watched his streams plenty of times. And I think that the controversy comes in, you know, around that MAME versus true cabinet versus recording versus in-person. Like, there's so many different stipulations. And everybody thinks... You know, they're holier than thou when it comes to submitting their score. I think that the documentary didn't shed the best light on Billy. It made him because, look like an asshole. Straight oh, up. Oh, like the biggest asshole. And I will be very honest. I thought he was such a jerk for the longest time after. I was like, forget this Billy guy. Who the hell does he think he is? He's such a 
tool, forget his score, and I need to just shut my damn trap because he is so good. He is so good at Donkey Kong. I've learned so much from him and so humble. He will sit there and walk you through like, hey, this is the board you go on here. Don't worry about this when you get to here. He's not afraid to help somebody who Mm. wants to learn the patterns and the right thing to do. And have you watched him play Pac-Man? No, no, not at all. Perfect Pac-Man games. Every single dot, every single ghost, every single prize. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So he's, so I mean, I don't think the documentary ever insinuated he wasn't legitimately skilled. See, I got the the vibe that he was like actually good, but at the top tier, the the sliver, little sliver of a percent that makes you the best versus number two. Maybe they made it. From what I'm remembering now, as you bring it up, they, like insinuated that he's like an egotistical man, egotistical maniac, and he sort of fibbed to be number one. And my question to you is, in the community. I'm sure you're not the only Donkey Kong player who's interacted with him and had these positive experiences. Is there any sort of like counter opinion as to why the documentary chose to go that route and to paint him that way? No, I don't think it was any other reason than they just needed to have an antagonist. Yeah. You know, in in the documentary, Steve Weeb is the protagonist. You want the small hometown guy to win. But then there's somebody else. And at the time, they weren't the only people competing. It was just those two people that they chose. And because Billy is this, you know, cool guy coming off real cocky, it was easy to paint him as the antagonist, which is unfortunate. Okay, so is that... But I don't think that in, in the documentary, I don't think that they could really prove... You can't prove cheating in like one forty-five minute or an hour and however long the thing is. You can't just sit there and go, "Oh yeah, this is exactly what happened." They have people come out and inspect all of the hardware, go through everything. It isn't an overnight process. So now, so I I I'll say that I just remember leaving imp- like with the impression that he's kind of an asshole and he probably cheated. That's how I felt. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, I remember you getting into uh, into it with someone in the ch- group chat about uh, about this. And I remember you being passionate, defending one of the sides. Now, I, yeah, it's it's Billy. So has there been any, since the, that documentary is pretty old, by the way, it's called uh, The King of Kong, right? A Fistful of Quarters. A Fistful of Quarters. If you haven't seen it, it's still worth checking out. But we're going to spoil it now because I'm sure it's been years since that's come out. And I've seen some headlines come and go in different like gaming uh, media outlets. I, mm-hmm. I know there's been some development. So walk us through sort of what happened after that to where we are now on as far as like results of inspecting, new scores, whatever's been going on. Um, I think not long ago, after, shortly after that, he had Billy had his title stripped of the first Donkey Kong kill screen, the first million point score. And there was something else that he had his Twin Galaxies or Guinness World Records titles removed as, which is, I mean, anybody would hate to have that, right? That's a lifetime accomplishment to have a world record. And you're smeared as a cheater, too. Everyone thinks. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. You watch that and you that is what you are associated with. What a crummy thing, right? So I think since then, he has gone on to reclaim his Guinness Book World Record title as the first Donkey Kong kill screen and the first Donkey Kong million point score. And I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think those are also included in Twin Galaxies records as well. So a lot has changed. And I think it was, gosh, like you said, it's been a while since the documentary came out, but that was a long journey 
to lose those titles and then reclaim them. Um, so it means whatever ended up happening, he obviously provided enough evidence for them to overturn all of that, which is correct, which from an outside perspective, sounds like that's feels like sort of a case closed. If they, they wouldn't go through the, the bad PR of going back on turning it over in the first place and looking like fools. If it wasn't pretty, at least I would assume it had to be pretty strong evidence where they had no choice to be like, okay, we got to get these back to you. Yeah. And the best part was that claiming to have the first, that was back in the 80s. You know, you had, you didn't record anything happening then. You didn't sit there and go with it. You only had your referees there in person watching you play. Yes. So if you could have recorded it and been able to broadcast it, of course, that would have been a huge thing, right? But since then, plenty of people have gotten over a million point scores, gotten their kill screens. But back then, when it was a popular game and there was a title to be had, he got it. Let him have it. Yeah, let him have it. Let him have it. That's good. You know what? That's kind of cool to hear. I'm glad that it sucks that he got probably dealt with years of being known as the egotistical video game nerd who's just a cheater. Like, right. like I, le- I left that documentary thinking like this guy has no life and he's just trying to hang on to like this fake idea that he's good at a video game. Like what kind of lose? I mean, I thought he was a loser straight up. And so that sounds like that turns out to be a total misrepresentation. That sucks for him. But mm-hmm. it sounds cool. Like it sounds like he got the last laugh, which I like. Oh, he for sure. Vindicated. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I left that documentary thinking, what does he use in his hair to make it stay so perfect all of the time? <laughs> Please tell me your secrets. I mean, its ability to to hold its place, I would say, on a technical level, is impressive. I don't think his hairstyle and his face mix well together. Kind of looks like I don't know. It's not. A, I don't think it's a good look. But technically, as of itself, I will agree. His hair is pretty amazing. It's so cool. <laughs> I have a crush on him. You also like old men. I do, big time. That's not fair. Standard That's not ten fair. year difference. Gotta be. <laughs> you, uh, t- oh, you got you want a decade in between? That's what you're. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to have anything in common. <laughs> Wow. Well, <laughs> hey, I'm glad. I'm glad there's some girls out there that think like you. For all the old men that are that are divorced or never got married or got married late, whatever. I'm glad there's women out there like you. Ta-da! They fulfill a need. Que- so you were, you were, you're 32 now, correct? Yes. So that means you were born in 88, 89? 89. Good math. 89. Okay. So I have a, a tradition where I try to guess the first video game console you ever had as a kid. Okay. Now, there's a few assumptions. I only ask for the year. Now, the assumption is, is if your family was into video games already, well, let me ask, do you have any older brothers and sisters? I am the oldest. You are the oldest. Four Ooh, girls. That helps. Four girls? Yes. Your poor dad. Okay. Uh, oldest of girls. I don't even know if you had a video game console when you were a kid. Maybe you were like, Ooh. I'm going to go with the Super Nintendo. <gasps> that is... Ooh, that, one, that was rough. I was like, it could be like if your family was really into games, like when they came out, like if your dad was into games, he could have already had a Nintendo or mm-hmm. maybe even an Atari 2600 laying around. It's always, but yeah, I went with the Super Nintendo. I've only missed one out of the last like uh-huh. 18 episodes. You're so good. I'm so, I'm so cool. Everyone should just stand You need awe. that on a shirt. 
I do need a. I should make search. You know, I like how uh, you you rolled with the Queen of Khan as it was sort of like a mocking title in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There was a, a co- girl comedian I ran across on Instagram. My wife follows her, and someone commented, "Fun, like you're pretty funny for a girl." And she made shirts funny for a girl. And I have girls. I'm like, I'm gonna buy some of those. That's badass. Do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I just you have to share that with me. Yeah, I like the. Uh, I like when people. There's a. I do it too a lot. Like. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. I know the political climate's a little tense, but sometimes my brothers specifically like to mock each other, and we like to mock each other for being gay. Not that we don't, not anything against gay people. It's just a way to call your brother like a pansy. It's outdated, I'm aware, but we do it. And every time they're like, oh, you're so gay or whatever, I'm like, yes, I know. Dick is so delicious. I love it. <laughs> Give me more. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a good, what I'm trying to say is, like, if you think I'm a misogynist, you, I'm sorry, you can go ahead and boycott me, and it's okay. You're probably right. No, it takes the sting out of the burn when you do that. Yes. Conceptu- conceptually, the tactic, I think, is a tactic of someone who's really, if someone can do that with an insult, and they can take it and they can roll with it. I think it's a really good like character trait and it makes me if that's all I know about a person I'm going to be inclined to think they're a badass already because I it's just it's such a good way like with the, being able to laugh at yourself and then turn it into something it's just a key skill and uh I think you have to be able to laugh to. at yourself yeah, yeah. Be a miserable person if you couldn't. If you were just always so critical of yourself, could you imagine how grumpy you'd be? Hell no. Yeah, it was. I think that's. I, I think it's cool, and I. I like that your origin story. Your like so your nickname, your fighter name, the Queen of Kong, was born <laughs> out of like, hey, I wasn't so great, and people were making fun of me, but I put the work in, and now I am the Queen of Kong, bitch. That's bitch. me. Yeah, that's badass. Okay, so you had the Super Nintendo. Were you into game? Like, did they get it for you? Or your dad get it for himself? Were you into it? Or how was your early relationship with video games? So if I, I, I remember playing Duck Hunt, but that's the original that's Nintendo. NES. Yeah. And I would get so mad at that stupid dog. And I think my grandfather was the one who, I know he fueled my interest in video games, but I think maybe he saw how much the original Nintendo would frustrate me that he said, well, let's try this one. This is newer. You might have more fun with it. And I had Super Mario World. And I remember that soundtrack. Like, I can hear it in my head right now. You know what's interesting about that is a side project podcast was on recently. And his he's like a big video game music nerd. And he said Mm -hmm. his all-time favorite soundtrack is probably... Super Nintendo, Super Mario, Super Mario World. And I mm-hmm. was I was like shocked because I, I think of Mario music as like it fits, but I don't remember. It doesn't get stuck in my head. But I'm realizing now that I think I'm in like the vast minority and that you people are more enlightened because you're like the fifth person that said the Mario, specifically the Super Mario soundtrack is massively stands out in their mind. Yeah, it's so like bright and uplifting, just a fun track. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I need to go back and listen to that, to those tunes. I should go back and play it. I spent a long time since I played it. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And I also had Super Adventure Island. I remember the guy Ooh. on the skateboard. Ooh. Yes, and that was such yeah. a fun thing. I remember I would get on such a roll with it, and I would be like, "I am the best person in this house that can play this game. Nobody can touch me on this level. I will dominate this one every time." But the best part was I was the only one who played it, so there was no real competition with it. I uh, I didn't know. I I had tried Adventure Island on the NES. 
I didn't play it as a kid, um, but we did it for the Retro Game Mafia Game of the Week once. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a Super Nintendo version. I'm watching footage of it right oh. now. This looks pretty... Yeah, it's like the same thing. It's just better graphics. Yeah. Interesting. It's cute. I like him. And he would put his little skateboard gear yeah. on and he would yeah. hop. It was so fun. And I also liked Clay Fighter. You ever play that one? Oh, oh I love Clay Fighter. Oh, it's so... The graphics are like at the time was the coolest thing I've ever seen. But I go back now and I'm like, this game is hella dumb. This is so stupid. Why did I get this from Blockbuster every weekend? Yeah, it reminds me of an era when they were starting to do... So I don't know if it was the first game to do it, but there was this clump of games that came out. We had Donkey, the Donkey Kong Countries, which we used a similar technique where they would use, like at the time, supercomputers to render 3D models and they would convert them into sprites that the, the mm-hmm. SNES could handle. So all like the really high fidelity visual work was done beforehand and the SNES was just kind of playing these sprites. And that's what Clay Fighter was too, but instead of supercomputers, they were actually making molds of models in clay, like Wallace and Gromit style, taking a picture right. taking a picture of the frame, de-resing that down to whatever colors and resolution the Super Nintendo can handle and using that as their assets. Uh, Vector Man did it. There was a, there's like a handful. That whole like, at the time, I remember thinking the same thing, like, how can graphics be this good? Like, this, right. How is this even possible? It was sorcery. Big time cool. And you know, funny thing, I hate Play-Doh. Play-Doh <laughs> freaks me out. So why now as an adult do I go back like, why did I think that was cool? Play-Doh freaks me the fuck out. I hate this. I don't even want to look at it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Killer Instinct. That was the other big one on the Super Nintendo. Killer Instinct used us. It wasn't clay, but it was a similar style. I'm watching footage of Clay Fighter and it looks pretty choppy. Like It looks like it doesn't play very well. Yeah. Interesting. There's like this Elvis guy. I forgot. I remember mm-hmm. the snowman. And there's no, Helga. This... Or was it he- Olga? Olga with the giant titties. Wow. Yeah. I thought she was hella cool. <laughs> of course. That's my girl. That's your girl. All right. So any- And there was this Jack Skellington guy. I liked him oh, yes. too with the pumpkin oh, yeah. head. I played Clay Fighter. I think it's like 63 and a half or something like the Super Nintendo. Excuse me. The Nintendo 64 version. And I remember there mm-hmm. being like Ichabod Crane. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, what a good series, but going back and watching some of this footage, it doesn't look like it's that great of a game. Oh, mm-mm. That's that childhood, That's that childhood memory gone, erased, ruined. <laughs> it is not that good as you remember it. Oh, they had this character that kind of looks like Gumby, which no one ever talks about Gumby, by the way. Side note. Did you watch Gumby? Hell yeah. Yeah. Gumby, like all this, so there's this whole nostalgia corner of Instagram and the internet where people are just reliving nostalgia from their their childhood and every once in a while there's a few things when i realized like that was a big deal for me but i don't see it in the nostalgia drug market (laughs) online like and the gumby is one of them i don't see people talk about gumby and this taffy character in clay fighter is obviously they were ripping off gumby i mean that is that is gumby interesting Dang. What was Gumby's Dang. horse's name? Pokey? What was his horse's name? I don't know. I, know. I remember the blockhead. Gumby horse name. Gumby. Well, I typed that in the first thing. I, the first video is Gumby banging horses. All right, let's not oh, do that okay. one. Oh, okay. Well. 
And the next one is, it is Pokey, the Pokey Express. Yes! But that sounds terrible under a video thing. Yeah. Wow. Gumby is trippy. I Oh, for geez, sure. Someone was doing acid when they made Gumby. Have you seen, there's a mirror episode. You need to see if you can find that one. Gumby. Where he travels through all these mirrors and he just keeps encountering different versions of himself and he can't find his way back home. Oh. And it's. As a kid, you want to know what's going to happen, right? And you watch as an adult, like, this would be terrifying. <laughs> Why isn't he freaking out right now? Wow. Yeah, I, I'm watching. I'm just kind of skimming through it on YouTube. It does. I don't remember this one, but this looks. I'm going to definitely watch this. Yeah. I might do some drug skis and watch this. Message me when you're done and tell me if it was a Holy Grail experience. It might have. I've had some pretty Holy Grail experiences. So I don't know. It's going to... I don't know if I want to touch the Holy Grail again. I think <laughs> I think people people have this like... I'll say this. I've had experiences on drugs where I thought I was going to die of happiness. Die of goodness. Like Okay. Like being involved, like so much love and happiness was like going to disintegrate my body. So it was like this mixture of overwhelming awesomeness, but I'm also going to die at the same time. Right. That would not be a fun way to go. So I think, yeah, I don't know if I ever want to touch the Holy Grail again. It's it's an intense experience. So anyway, I just said that because you said, tell me with the Holy Grail. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not with Gumby. That would be just engulfed in green clay and pokies there and the blockheads are just staring at you and there's oh god, I'm I'm freaking myself out thinking about it. (laughs) What did you reel back from that? Where did you grow up? I forgot to ask that. Born and raised yeah, born and raised in New Orleans. New Orleans. My family moved I did not know that. Ta-da. I've never been there. And that's like, that's one of the, I've been all over the country into like a lot of the big famous cities, but mm-hmm. New Orleans is, New Orleans and uh, the freaking other one that's uh, Nashville. Those are two cities that I haven't been to yet that are like, you know, well known. New Orleans obviously is like, I view it as the, I mean, all the, in the video games and media, it's where the, wherever that big party is, Mardi Gras, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what the outsiders think of. Oh, you guys like to party. Is that true, or is that just one day a year? Um, it's like a constant state <laughs> of it's. It has days like or it's up and downs. Like there's hurricane parties. There's back to school parties. There's Jimmy lost his first tooth party. There's any excuse to get together and have a good time. It's just always there. So is that is that a cultural like a southern cultural thing that's unique to New Orleans? I think so. I mean, everyone here in the South pretty much is always eager to be together, to have a big group thing. And I've just grown up with it. It's normal to me. But now I'm an adult and I can go, you know what? I don't have enough mental energy for that. We're going to skip. Yeah. I guess it's bad news bears if you're a hardcore introvert. It could be exhausting. Huh. Were they, uh, like, did you grow up? Because we started talking about, the reason I asked, we started talking about drugs and partying in New Orleans. Were you, did you grow up in a, like a, like a conservative, super anti-drug? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was a private Catholic school kid oh, from kindergarten. Oh, oh, oh yeah. From kindergarten oh. until a junior in high school. And then Katrina hit and I was introduced to the world of public school. You didn't go to, wow. You're, you're a Catholic school girl. That's me. Dang. Was it, is it only all girls, right? They separated? No, no boys? No. no boys. Well, okay. So most of the K through eight schools are co-ed. And then you kind of get to a point where you can choose whether you want to go to an all-girls school or an all-boys school. But my grandfather went to a school in New Orleans called... And I loved him so much. And it was a co-ed school. 
school and I was not ready to be surrounded by all girls. Uh, so that's where I went and I don't regret it. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's a good move. Cause like I, for a second, I thought maybe what had happened is from all the, from childhood all the way until public school, you never even interacted with boys, which sounds like a recipe for disaster for some, for some interesting. Yeah. I'm, much prefer the company of guys who are just enjoying themselves than girls where everything can be a competition. So that's what it was when I was growing up. That is my age group where girls were just mean for the sake of being mean. So I made sure I went to a school where there was none of that. It didn't exist because there was guys there. That's a, didn't have to worry about it. That's an interesting sort of generalization that I think is accurate from what I can tell about girls being more... Because people... I think the average person would think of sports and athletics like and a lot of boys being more aggressive in general. So you think boys are more competitive. And they are more competitive in certain ways, but you're right. When I think about my wife or girls I've dated or just girls I've been friends with and observing their behavior, they when they hang out with all their friends and they're having a good time, they are low-key competing with each other always. Whereas Absolutely. Whereas men kind of do it, but at the same time, you also have so much, at, like, you don't really care. Like, okay, that guy might be stronger or that guy might be better at this or that guy might be richer, but at the same time, I don't care because I'm too selfish and involved in my own life. And I don't know, like, it just doesn't sink deep. And for women, like, other, their friends' success, yeah, I've seen it. It's like... I mean, I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is I have two girls and I'm like baffled on once they're, they're five and four. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do to help you because <laughs> like your world is co- totally different than my world. And I'm barely realizing it. I can tell you right now, the world that these girls are growing up in is totally different from the world that I grew up in. These women now, not girls, women have understood the struggle that other women have gone through. Like me and my friends know that we came from the age of, I can't believe she's doing her hair like that. Why would she wear those kinds of pants? And we are raising our daughters to do better. So fortunately for you, your girls are going to grow up in a community surrounded by girls who are excited just to have a new friend. It doesn't matter you know, what kind of clothes she has on, how she styled her hair for that day, if she plays video games or not. That doesn't matter anymore. And that essentially is part of the reason why I wanted to be a competitive Donkey Kong player, Mm. to erase that stigma of only guys can do this. No, girls can be good at this too. That's That's awesome. You have a really optimistic, I mean, I never thought about that. So in some ways, what you're saying is, at least in that way you just articulated, things are going to be better for this next com- up and coming generation. Absolutely. Ah, I was, I need to think about that more because I've been under this impression, I think mainly due to statistics that I've heard in different podcasts about just female suicide, uh, teenage female suicide being up. And uh, personally, I like know through not like first connections through like a guy I trained with his daughter or this guy's friend's daughter or whatever. I've just seen a lot of it in like my second to third tier connections of guys, you know, dads losing their daughter to suicide. And so I got this, I I just got this impression, like it was really bad out there, but you gave me a little bit of hope, which I mean, I I legitimately appreciate. Like I've been stressing about this quite a bit. I think that adolescent suicide now, I think it's from what I understand is becoming an all time high. 
because it isn't a shift in generational thinking. You know, the parents now aren't as cool as these kids want them to be or as understanding. There's this level of strict parenting and these young kids teens are growing up like in this accepting world and they want to be accepted but even at home they can't be but it's Mm. safe on the internet Mm. and the fascinating thing about the internet is that it's not taboo to discuss your feelings anymore to say hey i'm really sad right now i really need help but they can only get that attention on the internet they can only get that help there so it's scary Mm. when you have to go out into the real world and you go I just need someone to connect with me here right now, and they can't get that. But I think that now, growing up, the stigma is you can talk about this. Not a bad thing to say that you're upset. So in the future, and I try to do this with my girls, tell me how you're feeling right now. What is going on? I know that you're upset right now. Let's take a break. But I'm turning back into mom mode. <laughs> I can hear it in my own voice. <laughs> I I heard it too. It's good. I mean, I'm I'm legitimately. I mean, like I'm picking your brain for a reason because yeah, I've been. That makes a lot of sense. So you're saying because a lot of times people will associate the suicide with being very like deeply involved in internet and internet culture and being stuck on the computer. But it's almost like and that I think that can that imbalance can cause problems. But the 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 that's a symptom. And the key issue is, is there, yeah, the internet culture and the at home culture are separate enough that there's a disconnect there. And as long as, as long as like you can help, help them bridge that gap, then uh, you should be clear to go. I could see that because if they, if they dive into the internet world more and more, and then they, they get their skills, their interpersonal with people in the flesh skills continue to erode. And, and it's like a downward momentum. And yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just so, yeah, it's so, I mean, you, <laughs> well, I grew up, you know, you don't talk about your feelings. Like you, uh-uh. you don't. Like they know. Nope. Maybe like when you really, when you're at like a real breaking point, you have a couple people you can talk to, but, and I still have that. Like, I don't like, I always feel like I don't want to burden somebody else with my issues unless I'm like truly at a point where I have to talk to someone. Like I'm having a, a breakdown, which I don't think is healthy. I mean, it did, it did teach you how to like handle things by yourself. I don't know what the balance is. You know what I mean? I can see benefits to it, but I also can see like real problems where I know I experience when I feel like I'm connecting with even like a kid or my wife or anyone like, like I'm going to level deeper with connection. I get really uncomfortable. Like I have, right, and that's I have, because yeah. our generation yeah. grew up with. We don't talk about this right now. Yeah, yeah. We are opening weird. up to a yeah. level that I never experienced before, and with someone that you're just getting to that level with. That's what always makes it challenging. Do you want to reveal this much of your deep inner self to someone? Yeah, it's not even me. So even when when they do it, I'm like, right. uh, yeah, like you. I've never swam in this deep of water before. I'm nervous. Like I get, I get <laughs> super uncomfortable, and I realize like. Oh, I'm like really bad at that. I'm good at a lot of other things, but I am like stunted in that. It's just, it's uh, it's been interesting being an old person and like realizing because even when you're old, like oh, I got my, I got my head together. I'm pretty good at a lot of things. I'm stable. Blah blah blah. And, and you get a little cocky, and then you have this moment like, oh God, I'm like a, I'm like a handicapped person in this area. Like I suck. <laughs> this is not. I always like to not. say, help! I need an adult. Oh shit! Yeah. I am an adult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're all just babies raising babies. It's just. It's just chaos. But so I want to go back to uh, anything else on Super Nintendo. We got a little sidetracked. My bad. No, it's okay. That's fine. I like this. (laughs) 
Super Nintendo? No, from there, that was pretty much it. And then, you know, that's when it began the girls don't play video games. It's not fun to play them anymore. So did you have a period where you didn't play because of the stigma? I had a few different periods in my life when I didn't play. Growing up, really young, I mean, I remember getting the Super Nintendo, playing those two games, going to Blockbuster, and then PlayStation 1 came out, and my grandfather would just fuel this we're going to try to find a game until you find something that you like and he was an avid pawn shopper Ooh. that man knew every single worker in a 10 mile radius what games would come in would buy them resell buy them in stacks bring them to me and say here try these 10 games keep the ones you want give me back the ones you don't want and we'll trade them out and get something new your grandpa is and, a badass oh god i loved him so much that i attribute so much of my passion for video gaming it's all because of him so what sticks out on the ps1 out of the stuff he brought you does anything stick out as that you really connected with i played a game called bust the groove a lot it's a rhythm based game it's it's Yes. Dumb. It really isn't that challenging, but I love rhythm-based games, and that was the first one that I had so much fun. I remember beating it, and I was like, this is the first game that I have finished 100%. This is so cool. And you would unlock new characters. I was like, no one else has done this before. (laughs) I am the only person. I remember that. You're definitely the first person. I remember this game. Um, I don't think I ever played it because I was a boy and that just was like, I'm not interested in people dancing. They got uh, me. They got you. I do remember (laughs) looking at it, actually, because back in the day, the ritual was when you go to, speaking of Blockbuster, you you had to like inspect every option. You had to read every text, look at every screenshot Mm -hmm. to decide because you get, you know, you saved up all your lunch money or chore money to rent this one game. You rode your bike halfway across town. You can't mess this up. And I remember looking at Bust the Groove quite a bit and I thinking the graphics were awesome and like the characters looked cool. And I didn't... Gideon is hot. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that guy looks cool. This looks cool. But I didn't under... I don't think I'd even played a rhythm game. And I actually remember being confused. Like, is this a fighting game that you don't fight? Because it was like the the way the camera is like side. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I didn't know Dance Dance Revolution and I would see like the it has like for those of you who don't haven't seen it it's sort of like Dance Dance you you have like a UI overlay that says push down down O whatever and you have to do it at, on time it's a rhythm game like Guitar Hero and I didn't even know what that meant and I just would look at it and look at it but the dude with the flame pants and the beanie hella cool the hella cool like oh he's a break dancer maybe I should get yep. this game play it I want to see you play it one day I'll do a video on it I will I, uh, <laughs> I've been meaning to do Parappa the Rappa which is also like a classic old uh, oh, rhythm that's game. Fun. I did remember playing that. I think that's the first rhythm game I played. But yeah, I'm glad you you are definitely the first one to bring up Bust the Groove. And I, I do need to do a video on this. Plus, the character, like, I think it would look... I've been messing around with emulators on PS1 to try to, like, get them upscaled to 4K and make it as modern as possible with some texture stuff. <sighs> and this looks this looks like a really good one to mess around with for that purposes. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited. They have a capoeira guy. They have like a steampunk dude with a mask and a mohawk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot uh, about this. Kitty N was my favorite. And there's another one. Can't remember off the top of my head. But she's like another really super sultry girl. And I was like, that's who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I was going to ask. Not, oh. She's not like... <laughs> 
I was, I, that reminds me. I wanted to ask you about your opinion as a as a. So by the way, for listeners, I'll do a uh, intro and talk you up and make you sound super awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, the the listeners will have already gotten like a little bit of an intro for you, but I should have asked you this in the beginning. You also stream not just Donkey Kong, but you like a streamer. You do cosplay too, right? I've seen you do some cosplay. God, I wouldn't even give myself that title. I just slap on a shirt that looks like something and say that's who I am. I have an orange turtleneck sweater. <laughs> And I wear glasses and I have a magnifying glass and that's my Velma. <laughs> that's about the extent. You wouldn't say you're like in are you interested in doing cosplay? I would, but it's a really expensive and time consuming hobby. And yes. I kind of I, I feel like that is a very strict niche where it's like you have to label yourself as this kind of cosplayer, otherwise don't even come into this dojo. <laughs> like it's it would be a low-budget cosplay is probably what I would have to call myself. But there's yeah. people out here who yeah. pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these sick-looking outfits. Yeah. They're gorgeous. Yeah. I, no, I couldn't do it. No, thank you. I can recommend some hot cosplayers. Well, I, I wanted to ask because you're involved in the gaming community outside of just Donkey Kong, right? You, you're really good at Donkey Kong. That's your main claim to fame, but you also Twitch and you're just like gaming general uh, content creation and you're you're female which like i mentioned before it's been really hard from i the first female i've gotten on the podcast and i believe me i've tried really hard to get some girls on just for variety from like my own selfish personal like i want to talk to someone different i've never talked to before and i wanted to ask about because the sexualization of girls you saying that i like this character on Busta group that was really sultry and the, the vibe i get from you is you've never really been offended or bothered about how girls are portrayed in video games or am i jumping the conclusions it doesn't bother me i think there was a different time and we've moved past we've moved past that like laura croft's triangle tits like that was the sexiest yeah. thing i'd ever yeah. seen when i played yeah. like hell yeah. yeah this is where it's at and then playing games like diablo or champions of norath where my armor would be little to nothing <laughs> Just because it was a female character. It makes, I, even as a as, even as a kid, thirteen year old boy who liked seeing boobs, no matter how low polygon they were, I did have that thought often. Like, because I would get into the lore of games, how the world works, and the rules. It's like, well, like I would think, like, how is that armor going to work? Like my stat points, if I was playing as a female character, or I had a party member that was a female, and I got her new armor, and the new armor was like a thong and titty tassels. But right. my, my my armor went up by like fifty percent. I'd always be like, well, how does that mm -hmm. work? Like, is it have a like, does. force field? Is it magic? You gotta explain why. And obviously, there don't, was, don't, I don't didn't get it. it. Go with it. Yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't get it. Like, oh, they're just they're just appealing to your reptile brain, which works. I get it. Totally works. But that is something. Even even as the target audience for that bothered me as a kid. That's a fair point. Very fair point. What was the game? Somebody just posted it. I think it was Fighting Force I saw. That's another one where the females are like these long-legged and stiletto heels doing these spin kicks that are no way possible. Like <laughs> You cannot pull off that blazer and those heels and look that good when you're judo chopping that guy. It doesn't work like that, but oh, you look hella fine. Speaking of just like, it's not as, oh, I'm watching Fighting Force. I know exactly what you're talking about. I played this game. I watching the footage right now yeah her legs are redonk like her legs <laughs> are 
like 2.5 times longer than the rest of her body, almost 3x. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she looks good. Uh, she does look good in a weird polygonal sort of way. Speaking <laughs> um I was just going to, damn it, now I can't remember. You were talking about uh, this chicken f- fighting force. Oh, have you played Streets of Rage 4 by chance? Um, briefly, yes. I think I streamed it just for a little bit, and that was a lot of fun. I thought it was really pretty. I liked it. If you play as Blaze, the Latin chick, the brown hair, okay. try it again if you still have access to it, and just watch her animations. And if that is not the hottest, and she's not like, she's sexualized, very. But considering video games have characters like Maya, she, or I, or the Ivy Chicken Soul Calic. They've gone to the, they've pushed sexualization to like the nth degree already. So she's not that bad, but she is. I, I was joking with my friend. I'm like, I feel ashamed at how attractive I find this little cartoon character in this video game. She's Let's see, I'm trying to pull so up a picture hot. right so now. Blaze, like, just like, look up Streets of Rage 4 Blaze gameplay. I'm actually excited to see. Oh, oh, oh. Bro, she. Hello. She is hot. I can't like, and it's, a, it's, I mean, she is sexualized. She's got a mini skirt on and she's pretty sexualized. <laughs> Actually, now I'm watching it. I shouldn't try to be defending it. Yeah, but. Goodness yeah, but. gracious. And, she, and you can't, same thing. Like who's going to be able to throw those moves in a skirt that short? T- like, but, oh my God. The hoop earring, the hair, everything. It's so Blazes, pretty though. Blazes. You she's can't my girl. say no. Just go with it. She's beautiful. <laughs> Everybody who plays the game knows she's beautiful. I'm attracted to her. You're attracted to her. Let's play the fucking game and beat up some people. Okay. Has there ever, <laughs> has there ever been a time though? And again, I'm picking your brain because one, you're a mom of daughters. I have daughters. And I think it would be interesting for listeners because we've never had a, we, we, it's been dick jokes for 40 episodes straight. So maybe I like I dick jokes. <laughs> I do too, to a fault. Has there ever been a time when you did feel, even growing up playing a game or as an adult playing a retro game, at any point where you're like, this is like something about the portrayal of a female character where you were like a little legitimately bothered? It's always a question for me of age. Like, mm. how old is this character supposed to be? That's a good point. And yes. That's where I draw the line because you can sexualize the character all you want, but if her portrayed image is something under what is appropriate, I don't think, I don't like that. That's where I draw the line. I don't think that's fun or cute, and that's where I go. Nope, don't want to talk about that. We don't <laughs> encourage that. Have you seen Mean Girls, like, where the, like, the rich mom's little daughter's just watching, like, bullshit rap videos in makeup and miniskirts shaking her ass? Like, that's the yes. joke? Oh, my, that makes me, that's what it makes me think of. Like, it's just... It's funny in that show because they're making fun of like the rich mom being a piece of shit. But it's a cool mom. But, but it's also it's also like super gross. If like there are kids out there like that whose mom is yeah. le- is letting you know their parents are letting Cardi B raise them like as the only input source. There's no balance That's to the it. The side of TikTok that I would like just report every single video. Report, 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 yes. report, report. Yeah. I do I do it on Instagram too. I'll just be flipping through and some kid will be dancing like you're not supposed to be here. This yes. is not a platform for you. Go to bed. Go play Animal Crossing. You don't belong here. <laughs> yes. Speaking of TikTok, 
It is so, like, I've had a lot of great success. I love TikTok. It's, I think it's the new Instagram. People are still sleeping on it. The algorithm, I'm just going to say it, is fucking one billion times superior to any other, like, the amount, like, it took a while. When I first got it, yeah, it was just like a bunch of young girls shaking their ass and their tits. But I get it. It doesn't know what I like. But once it started figuring out what I like, bro, I get 60% of the videos in my For You make me laugh or I legitimately like them. Versus when I scroll Facebook or Instagram, Instagram, unless it's someone I'm following closely and it shows me their stuff all the time because I interact with it, any sort of the explore stuff, it's probably mm-hmm. like 2% of the content I find valuable or entertaining. Like the race, yeah. like TikTok is killing it, but it does scare me a little bit because it's, it's getting, the younger generation is adopting it so fast. And my five-year-old the other day, I said something about, you can't do that until you're a teenager. Or like, I think we're talking about Universal Studios and like, you can't ride that ride until you're a teenager. She's like, mm-hmm. when I'm a teenager, I can do TikTok. Oh. And I'm like, how do you even know? Like, what do you, what? She's, and she goes, I've seen you, dad. You have a TikTok. Oh, I, called out. I was like, whoa. Okay, pump the brakes. In your first, own first, home, first, dad. How much do you know about TikTok and who is showing you TikTok? Because I know I haven't showed you TikTok. But somehow my five-year-old who doesn't have a phone, doesn't have any friends who have phones, I have no idea how she knows what TikTok is. There, it's part of our culture now. There's no escaping it. Yes, it's there. The talk yeah, has found there. us. <laughs> the talk the talk is king. And I, I think the people who are still who are still apprehensive about the talk are missing out because it's going to be like Instagram. Instagram where every every niche, every vertical, every hobby, every subject is going to have its own little ecosystem on the talk. It's it's going to it's going to build out. Like there's going to be fishing talk, there's going to be cosplay talk. You know what? Whatever you're into, right. it's going to happen. It's and if you if you're into that and you're not trying to build your con, I just think you're dumb. If you're trying to do anything on social media and you're not putting focus on TikTok, I think you're a dummy. That's my official. I'm the gaming god prophet. Gaming TikTok is going to be better than gaming Instagram and gaming YouTube Done. in five years. Put it on paper. Put it on Write paper. It. I'm calling it. Already. Already. Like, it's just, my, my TikTok is, it's so good it's bad. Like, I literally, if I'm like in, in a line for picking something up, whatever, and I only have like a minute, I have to say, no, I actually can't open TikTok to pass this time. Because I don't have enough. I know TikTok's going to suck me in. I can't watch one video or two videos. Uh, it's going to show me. I don't it's gonna have. Show it's going to be like, check out this awesome video game. By the way, do you want to see a dude doing a triple backflip 720 on a snowboard? Awesome. Do you want to see a guy hanging off a skyscraper? <laughs> cool. Do you want to see a really funny joke? And it's just like all over the map. Boom, boom, boom. Dopamine, dopamine. It's, it's, yes. it's too good. It's too good. Whew. Gotta be careful. I didn't have Instagram for the longest time because I knew I was going to do that. I got that rush. And I don't have TikTok because I'm afraid of that reason. I would seriously have my face attached to my phone all day long. Do you know what I do instead? You look at I your- let other people go on YouTube and do the hard work. And I just watch these compilation videos. Oh, that's so actually- I type in cute puppy TikToks and there's 10 minute long videos of all all the best dogs. The work is done. That is actually, you know what? That that's a good way to consume TikTok. Let someone else aggregate the best talks, and then and then you, yeah. It, but I would, but you are streaming and trying to do gaming stuff. And I, if you're not putting stuff on TikTok, 
I just think you're going to regret it. I bet, I bet right now there's still the opportunity. I haven't checked and I'll do it after this podcast. I bet there's probably no, maybe one or two legitimate Kong players who are putting content on TikTok. Maybe. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if you're the first like super good Kong player putting shit on TikTok. Okay. So that's, that's I like, look, you're an adult. I understand that if you're worried about like sucking you in and wasting too much time, which is a, a legit, I view, I try to teach my kids. I teach my kids about social media the same way I teach them about drugs. It's just like, it's about a balance and some are more dangerous than others. Some are more addictive. Some have luck. It's all about a balance and uh, not getting greedy and doing it and not doing things when they're young. And I I get that. Like, it's a legitimate concern. Hey, if I get Mm -hmm. a TikTok, I might waste. And the truth is you will in the beginning. You're going to have a honeymoon phase. Well, you're going to have the initial phase where it doesn't know what you like. You're going to be like, this is bullshit. I keep, and you're going to be reporting hella videos because it's going to default show you girls dancing. Because that's, that's, (laughs) that's the default. If you're a new user, we don't know anything about you. Hit him with the titties. Let's just start there. So, I mean, is it really so, a bad place to start? It's not the best. And I found out later because in the beginning, I, 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 someone convinced me, but gave me the same speech. Like TikTok is coming. It's going to be smart to invest. You know, there's going to be communities built on TikTok. You should get in now. It makes a lot of sense. And I, when I first got on, I had the same, I was going through this thing like, okay, there's a lot of hot girls on TikTok, but like Instagram has been covered with ass pictures for like a decade. But there's nothing, right. there's nothing new here. Like, what's the point? It's just another, another Instagram. But I found out that it was built on an old app called Musical.ly, which was like a music and dancing app. So, Okay. They like when they made TikTok, they just rebranded the app. So the initial user base was just teenage girls like in dance classes that were using it for dance. So like oh, that's all the content okay. they had. And when I first got on TikTok, I literally just posted another clip. I was just testing it out, like trying to figure it figure it all out. I ripped a clip off YouTube of Symphony of the Night, like just like one part of the the game that I liked. Like 15 seconds of Symphony Night and just put it on TikTok to see. I was playing around with formatting. It had like yeah. 230,000 views. What the shit? Like this was like, like a year and a half ago. I'm like, what is going on? It's because it's less bad now, but it's still early. TikTok is getting tons of new users and they're getting more users. Most users aren't content creators. So there's way more demand than there is supply. Okay. In general. And so the algorithm is very favorable. Like I have on Instagram, I've been posting the exact same things on Instagram and on TikTok. On TikTok, I have 12,000 followers. I have videos with millions what of views. What the hell? And on Instagram, I have 500 followers. So that's I'm just that's my pitch. That's my pitch. What? That's my pitch. That's amazing. Yes, it's awesome. It's awesome. People are sleeping on the top. Congratulations are in order. Thank you. But it's just ticked. And some of that does convert. Like I see the numbers come through to the podcast or I have analytics for all that. And it's it's, it's like anything social media. You're in anywhere between 1% to 10% of that's going to click through and go to other things and follow you in other places. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I was saying. Even though as, as more content creators are in general are coming online and there's more there's more supply for the demand. In, demand is still increasing. TikTok is international. Demand is going to be increasing for a while as far as you, new users users coming onto the platform and content creators are going to be catching up. But once in general, that levels out, but that doesn't mean that TikTok's algorithm is going to have lots of supply for niche content. It's going to take another decade for TikTok to get to the saturation in, in the competition that say Instagram is at. Instagram is gotcha. brutal. It's just brutal. It's so hard to get traction on Instagram unless you would, or 
or unless you do like the the follow for follow and shout everyone out and the list and the tagging that works i just yeah. i just can't commit to doing that it's not fair to like only take and not you know only get and not give back so right. I, I just like don't do any of that and just hope that like i'm gonna make good content and if it's good enough it will get out there yeah instagram sort of like mm, we got a lot of content in game like we have billions of gaming contents to choose from whereas tiktok doesn't that's why i'm saying if you get on if like donkey kong talk probably doesn't even exist if it does there might be a couple creators on there and just hmm. and girl gaming talk is probably like there's a lot of room so that's my pitch i think if you because you're streaming you're trying to build all that stuff i think you should be utilizing the talk to your advantage Okay, I will add that to my to-do list. You don't have to. I'm just, I'm just uh, passionate because it's been. I like Instagram is just, it's hard, dude. I mean, you know it. It's brutal. It's like, man, I put all this. It's really weird to learn. Like, I didn't join for the longest time because I didn't want to get sucked in, and now I am sucked in. And my goal for this year is to grow. That is what I want, right? Yes. So I'm putting the energy into it, and people are. I'm learning things like not only do you have to like comment tag share save save apparently is the key to encouraging that instagram algorithm creators their content to show up to similar pages to other people yes and people just don't save things i i know i don't i, don't. I only save things every once in a while so you have to learn it and shit things like so-and-so hasn't posted in a long time. And when I waited two and three weeks before I would post another picture, I would get so many likes at one time. But my follows wouldn't increase. Hmm. It is when you post consistently do you gain the followers, but you don't get as many likes. That's just my experience. I kind of have noticed that because I post, I try my, like, there are people that like we're homies with or other gaming like a lot of gaming content especially collectors where i put them i don't want to unfollow them because i want to like check in on them but i'll put them on mute because mm -hmm. because like I, my whole they post like five times a day and they take up my whole feed because oh, Insta gosh. instagram knows i like them right and i like them they're either a homie or i just i like i'll use their collection for ideas to play games or i like their content for whatever reason but it's i don't necessarily want their content dominating my whole feed if i'm just passing time but i will like look them up and go to their page and spend like 20 minutes on their page on just their content checking stuff out so I I uh, I I'll, to get around that I'll mute them, but I'm like I don't want to do that. So I want to I want to only post every once in a while and just try to post my best clips and spend time on making the video as good as possible. And I will get these huge like the videos. It'll be like the first five five three hours will be chaos, hmm. and then it'll be nothing, and I won't get any followers. Like my follower, and it's weird to post the same content on TikTok and Instagram where TikTok is just going pretty much crazy all the time like really consistent but every once in a while like the uh the grand theft auto rap song i did recently on tick on that was on, fire on, thank you very much you were a big supporter of that i appreciate it it was a i've never done that before it was just a drunken idea moment it's like let's just try it i have an idea instagram it did awesome like it, the best performing instagram post i've ever had as far as engagement i didn't get one follower like okay. during that run not one follower. Tons of people that have never seen my profile, interaction, comments, all that, likes. I, mean, I don't I don't know where you see the saves. 
It doesn't give me a notification if no, someone's... No, I don't think that you can see oh, okay. where your oh. saves are. But it will tell... Well, you can see that it has been saved however many times, but it doesn't tell you who is saving them. I haven't checked that. So maybe it didn't get saved a lot. I don't, I don't know. But I was really confused at like, how can this perform so well? And obviously the algorithm decided to show it to... Because to, it was like people from all over the world and people and American people who it wasn't people who already follow me it was new people getting exposed to it but I didn't get any followers conversely that video on video on TikTok which normally does better like didn't even like the way TikTok works is it will show your video to a group of people that are generally highly engaged that follow you and like most of your stuff most of the time it's like stage and that is your for you page yeah that's like that's well that no the for you is people who maybe not necessarily following you you, they could be, but it's just it's recommending things both from people you follow okay. and not. If you switch over to following, it will only show you things from people who are following. But everyone's on for you. But boy, the algorithm decides to show you the content. It uh, it'll show it to a small group of people, the first group of people who are the most highly likely to engage with your content. And if they engage with it good, like a certain percentage, then it'll spread it out to a new group of people. And then based on that engagement, and as long as your engagement, it's like if you look at it, like I'm getting 20% likes. Not always, but somewhere around 20% likes and 10% comments on a post based on my views, it's going to keep going up. It's going to keep expanding it to a wider net. That Grand Theft Auto video didn't even make it past tier one. It got like 200 views. It did terrible. Whereas like other videos that did like crazy on TikTok do terrible on Instagram. It's like huh. that. It's very interesting because the algorithms are very different. Hmm. What is the internet? What is this what? thing that we interact with daily? You Such know what? strange you know creature. What? It is. That's a good question. Like, what is the internet? I don't know if I even really know other than it's a network, like a uh, middleman. It's a cesspool. It is a cesspool <laughs> for human beings like you and me to roll around in like filthy little piggies and just live it up. There's definitely some of that going on. It's also, <laughs> I mean, maybe I think I mean, TikTok, a reason I'm preaching it so much is the algorithm is figured out I like funny shit. So it just shows me like funny skits and things like, in fact, I stole this quote coming up in one of my videos. Uh, the, someone someone did a video. I'm going to try to explain it. Let's see if it's funny to you. Just be ex- being explained. That's how you know if it's a good idea. The video okay. starts. Someone's just sitting in their car. A dude walks up, smashes the passenger side window with a crowbar. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> peeks his head in and and says, hello, we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty for quite some time now. This, this will be our final attempt to reach you. That's it. And I was dying laughing because I get those phone calls like all the time. That's the same damn message. And if you've had that phone call, it's funny. And I, like some people think it's funny. The video had like millions of plays. So obviously I'm not the only one. And TikTok is just filled with that. And then my point of bringing that up is it is a cesspool, but there's also like lots of good people who are really funny that you would never come in contact with that uh, you can get exposed to. So my hope is that sort of balances out the cesspool aspects. Do you know what it is? It's that chaotic energy. I thrive on videos that just drip chaotic energy. What is happening in this 30 second clip? I don't know, but I'm going to watch it six more times and hope I figure it out. Ah, that's a good point. I've been trying to. So TikTok's algorithm, and I think Instagram does this too with a rewatch. 
engagement is also factored into how many people it decides to expose you to. I think that's a really important point. Are people, not only people are watching a game, are they re-watching it? Are they sharing it? Are they messaging it to people on SMS or on Instagram or whatever? And I've noticed that on TikTok, TikTok will auto-play the video the moment it ends, start back from the beginning. And I've noticed really good creators will create their videos in a rhythm where the auto-play like seamlessly goes back and they create loops. Yeah. And, uh, and the videos will also be chaotic with like a lot of text and a lot of details that there's no way you can pick up the first time around because it's a 12-second clip. And it They're so good. Yeah, and they promote you to watch it over and over again. And it's people are smart. People are smart. And people are dumb, but some of them are smart. I'm one of the dumb ones. <laughs> Me too. I just want to watch shit get fucked up. I want to <laughs> see that window getting smashed and that head pop through. I will cry laughing. I watched one... I'll have to send it to you because I have it on Instagram. It's this kid and he says, my mom giving me vitamins for the day. And then it says, my really, my HD, ADHD medicine. And then the next shot is him just zoning out in the corner. And it happens <laughs> so fast. And I was one of those ADHD kids growing up. I get that. I know that moment when it hits. And it's like, are we all living in the same dream? Are we all having the same reality and you're unlocking it and helping me relive it right now? What did what did you take? What were you prescribed growing up? Uh, they gave me uh, Contrav. No. I've never heard of that. Concerta. That's Concerta. what it was. Concerta. It was Concerta. Is that a, but I couldn't take a... Adderall because I would go off the wall. I would do the total opposite. I would like parkour everywhere. It was ridiculous. It lasted a week. And my mom was like, we've got to get you off of this. Interesting. I just looked up Concerta versus Adderall. They are pretty similar. They are. Something about that minor difference. Yeah. Didn't fl- oh, Ritalin was another one. Ritalin's Couldn't take that. Common. It was the hype back then. Not anymore. Interesting. I would you do you think that's a good question about parenting? I mean, I will keep going off the, going off the rails. Would you prescribe your kids ADD medication or do you? Absolutely not. My kids no because I don't feel that they have that need. If they were struggling and I would confide in their teacher and hopefully they would be able to, you know, interact with me. And it was a necessity for them to do better than yes. But at this time, no. Do you think it was the right move for you to take it? No, but it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was back when it was, this was back when there was a difference between ADHD and ADD. It was all like coming out. It was the new thing. And I was in high school and I didn't, Hair. I was having too much fun doing my extracurricular activities. And my mom was like, your grades should be doing better. Let's go try this for you. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And I'll never forget one of these days I was up. I took the medicine. I couldn't fall asleep. And I took a Tylenol PM. And then I could not physically stay still during the next day at school, but I could not hold my eyes open. And that was the first time in my life that I was like, I want to do this again. (laughs) This is awesome. I don't know what's happening with my body right now, but I can see sound. It's always the Catholic girls that freaking like to party. It's always the Catholic girls. Why is that? Is it because it's too strict? Like, do if, do I? I was like, look, we talked about this earlier. Look, I, I think you have to let young kids be I have pretty wild. 
through most of my 20s. And uh, I'm actually really grateful for a lot of those experiences. But somehow I was also able to like never be too wild where it was going to really impact my life. And I don't know why I got lucky in that sense where a lot of people around me torpedoed their lives and are still trying to put them back together. But it sounds like, you, I mean, to my view, it seems like you had a good time and you're fairly stable and happy, freaking badass at Kong in a year. So obviously you can focus and get good at shit. What about like the Catholic school thing? Why is there that stigmata? Is there any truth to that? Or is there a coincidence in your case? And, and why do you, like what, what pushes specifically young girls to, to, <laughs> I want to, I want to crossfit on Tylenol PM and Adderall again. Fuck my heart. I really, honestly, so I think I like to think that I was a good kid. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't really do anything. I was my high school president four years in a row or my class president four years in a row. I did marching band. I was pretty clean cut, but it wasn't until I got to public school, but that was after Katrina. So I had this whole mental breakdown of the person that I was no longer existed. So I just didn't care anymore. And I think once I graduated, once I started becoming a person, if like full disclosure, I met my first husband and he was involved in a lot of not good things. And I said, hell yeah, I'm along for the ride. Mm. And it enabled me to have part of this life that I didn't know existed. And I guess because I was so sheltered and I was such a good kid, I wanted to explore the opposite of that. Yes. That's what I'm getting um, at. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would have been able to explore it under safer, healthier, Mm. and more knowledgeable context. Yes. Because I don't think that I was left with a bad experience. My only bad experience was because of who I was with, when I was doing it, and why I was doing it. Yes. That makes total sense. I've The reason I asked that is I grew up in a strict Mormon religious household, and I've seen it happen, uh, like kids I grew up with that just had extra... I had pretty strict parents, but there was a few kids who had parents that were even more next level, and I saw them just like a tip, tip, typical rebellion, just too much strenuous pressure of eventually the kids just like i don't care about any of your logic or or anything behind you i just know i don't like you and i'm sick of being controlled and and then they they go hard and overcorrect the other way i've seen a lot of girls and boys once they get away from mormonism and they've been so sheltered the same thing they dive into the pool and they don't have anyone to guide them and they end up like sometimes having really bad experiences and associating that with like evidence that mormonism is real which is funny because it's Pretty obviously not, in my opinion. Sorry, there are some Mormons that listen. They should know by now. I'm always joking about it. All due respect, and they'll they'll go they'll go back to it because they like they make some bad choices, and they're just like, well, it's because I strayed away from the church. It's like, no, you just did a stupid thing. Like, you're not supposed to take meth and drink at the same time. Like, yeah, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, but here's like, the thing: you don't know that until you've already done it, yes, and because nobody yes. has told you otherwise. You don't know anything. Yes. That's yeah. it. That's all yeah. that it is. That's all and that it you is. You can't say, you don't want to go look at a teenager and say, hey, don't go smoke meth and drink 40 right now. Because then that's only going to go, well, why not? Exactly. Why not? Listen, why I not? can't explain to you the high that you will get and the come down that you're going to have, but you are going to be miserable <laughs> for the next two weeks. Don't do it. And also, your heart doesn't like when you combine a down or an upper. Just don't do that, right, please. But we're not worried about our heart conditions while we're having a good time. That doesn't matter. No. We're just here to have a good no. time. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Now, PS1 games. I know. So your grandpa, so you had PS1. How old were you when the grandpa was doing the PS1 thing? Oh, gosh. I don't know. 
when did PS1 come out? Because it wasn't brand new, because it was old enough for people to be pawning enough of their game for me so, to have it. Yeah. I feel like it was probably around the time when PS2 came out, and that's when it was, you know, not fun to have anymore because you want the next gen. Okay. It was what sticks out on the PS1 besides Bust a Move? Bust a Bust a Groove. Bust a Groove. Was fun. I was a sucker for Barbie Super Sports. Just they got me on that one. Ooh, I don't even. I'm not. I know there's a Mary Kate and Ashley PS1 game, but I didn't know there was a Barbie Barbie Super Sports. Barbie Super Sports, and you can snowboard and skateboard and rollerblade, and once you get enough points, you can unlock a new outfit. Hell and yeah! Barbie looks Hell so yeah. cute. Oh, got me every time. There was a Spice World game. Got me on that one. Uh, <gasps> I Spice played Spyro. Yes, yes I definitely played that. Um, Spyro, yeah, that's a good Spyro. one. Spyro, played Spyro a little bit. Never finished it. Tried to go back a little while ago and finish it. And I just, I have such a short attention span that if I get to a part in the game where I can't get past or I can't figure it out, I shut it off and I'm done playing it for another six months. I don't even want to think about it right now. Go on to the next thing. I wish I had the endurance to do that, but I don't. I think that's why I like Donkey Kong so much. It's just next game, 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 game. <laughs> PS1, that's probably, I mean, I like Tomb Raider a lot. I played that, ran around doing that, but that wasn't, PS1 was just pure nostalgia, trying different things and learning how much I enjoyed playing video games. PS2 is where it's at. PS2? Like, so what would you say for you, and I guess PC counts, like what generation, is it the PS1 or is it the next PS? Like what generation for you, I call like for me, the golden age was the PS1, but I'm a little bit older than you. Like the magic, I don't know, I would say like 11 to 16, maybe. It's like, that's when movies, music, and games seem to seem to go to your soul and in, in, in like settle in. And there's a part of you that stays that way for the rest of your life. For you, what would that be? What era of gaming? Probably about that time too, 11, 12, when I was getting so many games rapid fire and just trying everything. That's what I remember so much. And it would be a constant stream of trying different things just to find the one that I enjoyed. Because there was, my grandfather encouraged, you know, it didn't matter that I was a girl played games. He just wanted me just to spoil me. Yes. Just for me to yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Have, I mean, that I was his granddaughter. Of course, he's going to give me everything I want. Yep. That's so what he did that. And I love that. And PS2, I don't think I really played until high school. So I was behind on a lot of things. I didn't really catch up. You know, mm. I just kind of mm. stayed behind. That's why I get a lot of enjoyment now out of watching you specifically play all of these games that I have never even seen before or I had heard and never turned on. Like Doom, I've never played a single <gasps> Doom game. Never. I know. Crucify me. But I love watching other people play because I can learn about it. I can see it. Wow. I've never played Doom. Boy, no. we got a remedy. Do you have a PC? No, but I I think there's a version available on Xbox. What are you using right now to record on Audacity? My laptop, but it's really old. Anything can really play Doom. Old. I mean, Doom Doom is also 30 years old, I think. I think your lap, you can play, I'm pretty sure you could play Brutal Doom, which is the best way to play if you're going to, I'm going to recommend it, not this to you and anyone listening. If you have a PC and you want to try old school Doom, old school Doom is a legend, but there's some like gameplay mechanics, like you can't look up and down. There's some things that need to be modernized and you can get all the old school flavor with sort of the modern quality of life that has been developed for the last 30, 30 years in a mod called Brutal Doom. It's 
super easy to set up and even your grandma's laptop can play it. It's okay. uh, so if you if you if you want to try Doom, just hit me up later, DM me. I can send you like the instructions. Just follow them and we can get you hooked up with the quintessential Doom experience. Yes, teach me. Show me the way. Yes. Let the hate flow through your veins. <laughs> that was such a good clip. I loved it. I want to wrap up with a few things. What I like to ask, so my final question, I want you to start thinking about it. I'm going to ask you some other questions before so you can, in the back of your mind, since I know women can multitask in their brains, start stewing for the final question, which will be, what is your favorite specific gaming memory, either like a party or an experience playing with someone or the time you got a high school or have that ready in the docket? Before, I wanted to ask some just questions about games in general. What video game story has emotionally resonated you with you the most that you've played goodness gracious i think diablo 3 really oh but here's i have such sentimental value for diablo 3 and it is one of the first games that i played through multiple times and it just stuck with me now it's been a hot minute since i've played so don't ask me how it ended but just i remember the feeling of finishing the game and going like that was cool. Yeah. That was awesome. How how it all played out and how I'm sure everybody knows the end and you're fighting that last final boss Diablo is fucking shit flying around everywhere and you have to have all your tactics and you have to know your character and finishing it and you're just there and you're like, I did it. I remember having that moment and I had all three of my daughters then <laughs> and I would give them unplugged controllers and they would sit and play with me because non-player oh, characters oh. You know, often join your party. So I would get my playtime and they would think that they're playing with me and I remember finishing it and they were next to me and it was like oh, we beat the game we finished the game and that was that's something that sticks with me a lot. that's badass i hope i i hope i have that with my kids i've i've tried to get my kids to play switch a little bit but uh mm-hmm. it's they're four and five and it's just not my five-year-old kind of she can do like 15 minutes and then i don't know they have a hard time like holding even the controllers because i can actually using them because their hands are too small that's cool i can't even get them I've tried that contr- no controller trick with my kids. I don't know yeah. if I'm not selling it right. They just like get bored and walk away. Yeah, <sighs> a little it jealous. Them sell. It was it. Honest to God, I had this whole period of my life from when I was like, I had my first daughter four days after I turned 21. I had no gaming experience, anything from that point until I was probably. 26. That's when I got the PS3. Uh. Nothing. I was so shy. And even before then, and I had become this shell of a person. I didn't know who I was. And some kind of a way I acquired the PS3. And I remember getting Diablo because somebody said it was like Champions of North and just rekindling Mm. that fire I knew I had inside of me. I remember doing this and loving doing this. And that's where it all cranked back up again. You talk about Champions of Norath a lot. I've seen you post about it. Is that your favorite game of all time? Probably because I have the best memories of that game. Well, let's dive into have, it. What's uh Yeah. You're the definitely I I only I remember seeing the cover for that game. It was a PS2 game, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I remember thinking the art was cool and I was into RPGs. I'm not sure why I never rented it, but I don't really know anything about that game. So, sell me on it and, and share me with me all the specialness, all the special sauce. Very basic hack and slash, you know, just a Diablo style game. That's all. Learn your character, beef your character up, go through, play these different 
monsters, play these different characters, go through, play this boss, play that boss. There's nothing technical or hard about it. But it was a game that my grandfather got for me that sat in my collection. And my boyfriend at the time, my high school sweetheart, said, oh, I've seen this game. Let's play this. So in my room, we busted out my futon, plugged in our controllers, turned the TV on, started playing a few rounds here and there, going through, okay, it's time to go home. See you later. Love you. Bye. Then it would turn into my best friend. Hey, he can't come over. Do you want to come over and play? Let's get you your own character. Mm. Sure. No problem. A couple hours that way, having snacks. Okay. Time to go. Love you. Bye. Then it evolved into all three of us on a mission to defeat this current boss, stopping at the gas station because we knew we were going to be stuck in front of the TV for the next four (laughs) hours. Playing this campaign until we defeated that boss, having my mom come knock on our door, y'all need to go home, it is the end of the day, and then shutting it off for the night and just sitting there and going, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. Yeah, so it was, it was yeah, for a lot of people, they bring up social aspects. Like a, a time when they had a multiplayer experience and they bonded with people and they got to mix the gaming and the so, the social and the, the the tunnel vision being totally immersed into something. And you get all yeah. of those, all those things come together in one multiple trifecta, quadfecta, cintinco fecta, whatever the terminology for that is. And like you, <laughs> you hit that, you hit that sweet spot, that like flow state where you're wrapped up in the game, but they're in flow state with you and you're all, right. yeah. That's a, it is a very, it's a magical thing. I've had similar things with that. Uh, uh, Halo was a big one for a lot of people. Halo 1, when you could get the LAN parties and link them up for Xboxes, for TVs. Right. And it was just like. I've heard of that. You and your friends would start playing and all of a sudden, eight hours had passed by and you, in a blink of an eye because you're just locked and loaded, playing, yep. laughing, hitting snacks. So-and-so goes to the gas station, comes back. Everyone's like, yeah, drinks. And just the time flies and then it ends and you're, I can kind of see you, your friends going home, your mom kicking them out, whatever, laying back. And you have to come down from that high. You got to lay down like, oh. It's a special kind of high. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's always a really good memory when I think back on it. That's a good one. Champions of North. It reminds me a little of, did you play Gauntlet by chance? I think I've experienced playing it while I've been at the arcade, but I've never committed any time to it. I know uh, Diablo 3, I have my jiu-jitsu coach who's been on the podcast. He said he has some odd, like, I want to say two or maybe 300. It was some ridiculous amount of hours on Diablo 3 on the Switch. I believe it. He said it's like the ultimate addictive game of all time. Because you can just do side quests or you can just beef up your character and you can spend all of your time doing that or you can customize or you can just go collect random shit and then go sell it and hoard all of your money that's me that's the player i am i just want more and more and more and then you don't have to beat the game right now if you don't want to and there's achievements for everything if you're an achievement hunter that game has so many achievements yeah. What do you do? You get rewarded for other than like the bragging rights of getting a tr- like a platinum trophy on PlayStation. Do games reward you with? Like, I've never been an achievement hunter because I've always assumed like I can go get all these achievements and I'll get a trophy. But I'm more interested in like, is it going to give me something in game that makes the gameplay like? Am I going to get the best sword? Is that how you get the best sword? I think so. I think at the end of Diablo, you get to keep some cool epic thing, and it just stays in your inventory, and then you can play again 
and and obviously the more times you play the game the better quality items are going to be so the crown you got at the beginning of the game if you play it again it's going to be a better crown because you're playing the story again at a higher rate yeah yeah that makes sense huh i I gotta try it out. I've uh, I know Diablo is one of those like I gasped at you never playing Doom. I really can't judge because there's a lot of like monumental series that I've never played. Diablo being one of them. I mean, that's like Diablo's up there with one of the most legendary IP IPs in existence. I mean, Blizzard has that and Warcraft and Starcraft. I mean, they got like some big hitters. All three I've never really played. So they're good. Yeah, they're all good. I know Starcraft people swear by Starcraft 2 as being the greatest RTS. And World of Warcraft obviously has this reputation of just stealing lives away with no with no remorse. Have you played WoW? You ever get into that? No, I I had an uncle who played and I would sit with him and watch him play, but I myself have never sat down and play. You know who plays World of Warcraft? Who? Henry Cavill. Oh, he does. He yeah. does. He also, I, he builds his own PCs, which is cool. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. That dude, he's too young that for dude, me. He's too young for you. You need to wait for him to, to age a little bit. He's going to be one of those dudes that like 75 still is just retardedly hot. He's just, right. he lives, obviously lives healthy. He's clearly got great genetics. I don't, I don't see him like going off the deep end from fame and success and just like coke and booze in his life to shit. I just doesn't seem like the guy who would do that. He's too game. He's too obviously too. No, nerdy. he's worked too hard to have the physique that he does. He knows better. Yeah, you know that he he's like uh he's a legitimate nerd in the sense of he from what I read aggressively chased after the Witcher role. Like he wanted to make yes. that happen. He was like I. He played through the I, Witcher three times and then was introduced to the book and then found out they were making it a Netflix series. Yes, and he wanted it. Yes, Henry. Here Cam- I am yes. sounding like Henry- a crazy stalker. <laughs> I'm there, right there with you. I mean, if anyone would turn me to the other side, he would. He's definitely up there in the running. I would consider it. Depends on how much with the right sum of money and the right body. Henry Cavill being one of them, I think, I think he could turn me. He's. I'm pretty, and I was just going to comment, I'm pretty swoon over him. And I, I use the term miring. It's like the, it's like a, being into a dude, but not sexually, but it's like being into him. You admire him, right. admiring, like a bodybuilding term. He's jacked as hell, super good looking. And when I, when he first came out in Superman, I didn't love the movie Superman. I think it's the best out of Batman versus Superman Justice League in the, in hindsight. The first Superman's pretty good. And I, but I just thought he was a, I don't know, like just an, a new actor. There's, Another Hollywood pretty boy. Jacked pretty yeah, boy. Yeah, pretty boy is the right word. Yeah, she's like another jacked pretty boy. Cool. They found some new guy I've never seen before that's jacked. I guess he makes a good Superman. And I was like really indifferent to him. But over the years, his like the fact that he's a legitimate nerd has uh, I think a lot of people have warmed up to him. It's like and it's the, the comic book and geek culture world are the people who are most likely going to generalize an attractive person and write them off for being like a pretty boy. If you, right. if you grew up super nerdy, probably have some resentment and issues. And But that's the, the like, he did everything perfectly to, to uh, like, appease himself to the right crowds. It's like, actually, yeah, I'm Jack, but bro, I played The Witcher three times. How many times, how many, right. hours, how many hours do you have in The Witcher, bitch? Like, oh shit. If anybody's shit. going to understand this character, character better yes put him up here but yeah, for yeah. right now i think it's going to be me have yes. you seen the witcher on netflix yes and overall i really really enjoyed it it had some of the highest highs specifically the very first fight scene in the first episode in like the town kind of alleyway when he uh when he just mm-hmm. destroys those like five dudes in one camera it's a singular camera shot that's some of the coolest choreography i mean i, I jumped out of my seat like whoo 
hell yeah. I was screaming at the TV. Like, that was <laughs> badass. But then it, it had some parts that were really rough. Like parts where I was like, Ugh, this is hard to get through. It's really cheesy. And so overall, I would say it's like an eight, seven or eight. But when it yeah. came together for me, I'm really excited for the second season because I know they're going to get more money. It's the, It got good reviews. Um, I think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be better. I can't wait. It's something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, it's uh. Did you ever watch? I don't know. Why I'm I'm about to wrap up, but did you ever watch True Detective season one by chance? No. Ah, uh, ah! You have to. Oh man. You have to. Oh has man, you, I have some catching up to do. Has, has your husband watched it? Oh, no. maybe I don't know. No. He's he's such a nostalgia freak. He loves to watch, you know, um, less than zero or Breakfast Club. He'll put uh, those on and he'll go to town. And Saint Elmo's Fire is one he's been watching again. That's what he likes to watch. Series, not so much. You watch Cobra Kai? You watch Cobra Kai? <laughs> I tried. I, I just, I can't. I don't know. There's something about like the, I like cheesy, campy things, but the, it has to be done the right way or it doesn't hit for me. And Cobra Kai just doesn't hit. But it's like. It is like, very cheesy, it, campy. But it's not that it's like, there are cheesy and campy things I love. Like Army of Darkness is one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's. Pure cheese, pure camp. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it is about it because there's guys I really respect that I train with that are like super badass, legitimate fighters that like, and they love Cobra Kai. They love it. They swear by it. Like they, everyone that came out season three, they binge the whole thing and can't, people love that show. I don't know. So I know either I'm like missing something or just something's off with the taste. I don't know. I just didn't click with me which sucks because i want to have the ex i see people talk about it with all this enthusiasm I'm like damn i'm missing out i i want to feel those good feelings like, why isn't it working for me just watch it say you did uh, just go meh it was okay I, it, put that notch on I, your belt and be done with it yeah tv series or i actually run into this i guess you have kong which is like a, a constant thing and you have this competitive thing that you're working on i i play and goof off on a lot of games for the podcast but actual games that suck me in and i get obsessed about is like one game a year on app now like two i can play games and make videos but like most of those games i'm playing retro i'm not beating them i'm playing and making like a few videos and getting to the point where like okay right. i get it i want to make another video do a different game that like they most of them don't catch me and i get obsessed with it and uh it happens less and less i don't know if that's like an adult thing or if but it, is your game like kong is a kong is a staple and then you just sort of have one other game you're into at a time how does it work for you i kind of got stuck on kong when i was practicing competitive gaming casual playing i've been playing dead by daylight non-stop i really my kids Ooh. get aggravated with how much i play that one Dead by it's daylight. a lot of fun and it's a newer game so it still gets a lot of traffic and it's not a difficult game to play which i think makes it better for me because i am a casual player but i don't anticipate playing any other arcade game enveloping myself or devoting my attention to getting a better pb on that game until i get kong down okay what is uh dead by daylight it's a first person shooter it's multiplayer like what's give me a rundown on dead how by it works. daylight is a four versus one oh. thriller game you play with three other survivors or you can play as the killer if you're playing as the survivor you have to repair five generators without being hit by the killer if you're playing as the killer it's your job to down and kill four survivors no two matches are the exact same no two other players are the exact same it's a mixed bag of tricks so all that you can do is play the game with your perks and your add-ons the way that you know how to play 
and maybe somebody else gels with you in that match and you can take down those generators and maybe you get hit and maybe somebody else will take a hit for you. That one's a lot of fun to play. So it's like what uh, the Nightmare, the, the Freddy game was supposed to yes, be. Yes, a lot of people compare it to that. I will say that I think Dead by Daylight is better. The graphics are a lot better, but it's definitely still a broken game. And I think it's got kind of toxic community surrounding <laughs> it. But that happens when you're, it's a killing game. Your goal is to kill people and yeah. to not be killed. Of course, you're going to have assholes that will camp you. It's just part of the game it's part of the experience yeah, yeah. right yeah interesting i like that one a lot this looks i downloaded cool. witcher haven't played it yet i need to do that uh what on xbox yeah which uh, xbox do you have i have the last three generations so not the newest we the have newest an x one. we have the newest one we just got oh. the, new, the xbox oh. series x we Shit. have the xbox one x and we have the xbox one S. Oh, so you're a, you're an Xbox girl. I didn't know that. You're well, all we in. have a PlayStation Four too. <laughs> nice. Well, you got. But yeah, you've been you've been riding the Xbox, or at least you and your, your husband. You have all three. Yeah. The Series X. I bet if you can play The Witcher on the Series X, uh, you're gonna have a great experience because that game has been patched a bajillion times. The DLCs that came out for it. I'm sure the you know the complete edition that you ended up buying. I, I would be shocked if you didn't come with all the DLCs. Specifically, the last DLC. Which or something, wines, death and wine, or blood and wine. Wine, hell yeah. Blood, yeah. You had me at wine. The last DLC, it unlocks the ability. You get like a winery, like house that you like. It's like base building mechanics. So as you do oh, more stuff, sweet. you have a home base, you get more people, more wine, more gear. And the DLC itself is like 30 hours, the story. And it's my favorite part of the whole story is not the main campaign, but the last DLC, which is like almost a sequel. And uh, the Xbox Series X version, I'm sure, will be like on backwards compatibility mode with the extra hardware. I bet it runs really smooth. Uh, and, All right. Uh, yeah, you should. That's my number one game on Steam for hours played is Witcher 3. Okay. So you should you I'll should try. I would try uh, Cobra. I would give Cobra Cry Cobra Kai a uh, another shot. And uh, what I sold you on like three. I sold you on TikTok. TikTok. I tried to, you sold <laughs> me on TikTok. I tried to sell you on TikTok, Doom, and Witcher. Anything else? Yeah, it won't take much for me to get into Witcher. I've done far worse for way less. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Oh. If you ask me. Oh. oh, you don't have a <laughs> PC. Damn it. You can if you have a PC. Maybe the Xbox Series X lets you do some mods. It supports Nexus mods. I think there's a Henry mm -hmm. Cavill mod for the Witcher 3. Oh, <laughs> that sounds dangerous. That's, that's super dangerous. You can swoon all you can swoon for 200 hours straight with that mod. Okay. Deal. Right, I was the deal. That's not a problem at all. Yeah, you should be I looked it up once. I I should temper your expectations. The I mean it was a user mod. Whoever did his fate like it's a little wonky looking. It's not the hottest Henry Cavill. It's a fan-made mod, but Still, if you want to imagine it's Henry Cavill, it might help that the face kind of looks like him. It's it's not it's not as good looking as the original Witcher's face, but uh, it's pretty good. You should try it. Fun. Try. Okay. I think I, have, I think do they support Nexus? Let me look this up real quick. Xbox Series X support. I thought I read it supports Nexus mods. 
Yes, you can do it on Skyrim. So maybe Sweet. you can do it on Witcher. Anyway, let people know where they can find you, where you're streaming at, where you're Instagramming at, where your Kong scores can be found, uh, anything you want to uh, kind of promo, people can find you. And I will obviously put all that information in the podcast description as well. Hit them with it. All right. You can find me on Instagram at Dearest Abby, A-B-I. You can find me on Twitch at Dearest Abby, A-B-B-Y. Not to be confused with Dearest Stabby. That happens a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of my scores on Kong League, but that's my real name, and I don't trust some of you people. Mm. So find me on either of those, and I'll be happy to chat with anyone there. I don't have a Discord. I know Discord is a popular thing, but maybe I'll get that started one day. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, have a schedule on when you stream? No, it's pure chaos. Pure chaos. I just so. kind of show up whenever I feel like it. So I need to do that, though. I need to have more. Or not. Just say, look, if you want this awesome Queen of Con content, you better pay attention to the socials. And when I'm live, be ready to take advantage. Ooh. I mean, you, you, you got a li- We got lives. You got kids. You got a life. Obviously, if you're not going to. I mean, they always say that, like, if you're going to try and stream and make a schedule, like, like, if you're trying to be a full time streamer, yeah. If you're just streaming for fun, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You don't have to have a schedule. I hop on. Like, when it, uh, when anyone, like, I've, someone I follow and they post, hey, I'm going live in five minutes and it's a, and I'm free at that time, I'll check it out. I'll hop on, watch the stream. Oh, fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it. So no schedule. Check her out, A-B-B-Y on Twitch, A-B-I on Instagram, correct? That's me. And uh, thanks for coming on the first monumental historical event, the first female on the podcast. Ah, I feel I feel so safe, so safe now. I'm ready. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. glad I could help relieve you. <laughs> My pleasure. I hope you get so I hope we converted a few Donkey Kong. It made me more interested in Donkey Kong hearing about like the yeah, strategies. Yeah, play some time. Record yourself playing. I can't wait to watch. I'm going to watch. I'll give you all the tips and tricks you want. I'm definitely Who should I watch? Like if I want to Who's the bomb right now? Who's the top of the food chain player right now that I can watch? Uh, one of my favorites, who's my DK daddy, is Liriel Matt Tecchio. You can find him on Twitch at L Y R I E L L. I could be spelling that very wrong, but I love on. him. He's a great player. Robbie Lakeman, who currently has the first and second world record, is amazing. Does all of that barrel grouping stuff we talked about. It's, I can't process half the shit that he does. It's so cool. And he's on, on Twitch at Robbie Lakeman. Robbie, how do I spell it? R-O-B-B-I-E. Lakeman. There he is. Robbie Lakeman. Lakeman. Donkey Kong world record. One. Okay. So for example, I should have asked this before. So currently the world record right now is 1,271,100, correct? That's wild. What are, where are your scores at compared to that? I am 186,000. Oh, so the gap between you who are like and the, the best in the world is still pretty big. Absolutely. And here's the weird thing. So the game ends at level 22. It stops at a certain point. You die off automatically. So you have to make it from level one to level two, all of those. And there's multiple boards per level with enough guys to last you until the end of the game. Now, if you were just playing just to get a kill screen, the points end at about 80,000, I think on average, 800,000, excuse me. And these people are getting million point scores. So they're double jumping and point pressing every single place possible. They're like robots. On a, on an emulator. So that's why it doesn't kill screen at the 80,000 mark. The, it, the game itself will kill screen, whether you're emulating or playing on a physical hardware. That's just the way that the game is designed. 
So you have to have a life ready for the kill screen? At, you could be on your last guy and you will still die. It plays for a few seconds on level 22 and then all of a sudden it dies because the way the game was designed, it wasn't meant to be played that long. There is no level there. Ah. It just stops. So how are they getting a million two hundred? Oh, so you're saying if you have an extra life, it'll kill screen and you start over? Right. It's, no, it just stops altogether. And so they Once start a hit, new game and they just add the score on top of that? How does that, how do they get nope. a million? That's what I'm asking. All because they're double jumping those barrels. So like I might be able to jump one barrel and that's only worth 100 points. If you're grouping oh. barrels, that's 300, 800. Oh. There's different, yeah, there's different points in the I game see. where you can stand in a certain so spot. So there's a cap, like you, it's going to end no matter what. And you, that's, that's as many points as you get. Correct. Oh. That will, as, that's as many levels as you will go. You so, won't go any so, further in this game. So the points you collect in that time period, once you get to, that's the end of the game. So that's what makes the world record so like insane. How did you yes. do that much in that amount of time? Because you can kill screen. So the first goal is to kill screen. When you start playing Donkey Kong, it isn't about getting a personal best. Your first goal is to kill, kill screen. screen. Uh, you work it up to getting a higher PB over and over and over. My husband doesn't have a kill screen yet, but once you get there, it's an endurance thing. And to make it to that level, to pass that many boards, that much time, it's really a, a testament to how well of a player you are if you know how to play this game. But once you get to that push in million points, because it's only 800,000, a million is just within your reach, right? Yeah. Wanna, you want that taste you want to have it so bad there's so many players that have their kill screen but don't have their million point yet uh do, do you think it's made you like your ability to focus outside of donkey kong has gotten better from being able to focus on donkey kong no it's a totally different state of mind <laughs> absolutely it. i wish i had the focus i had when i'm playing donkey kong and i'm such listen, i will confess this thank god my husband's not here right now i'm such a bitch when i'm playing i don't like to have I want to have my music on. I want to have this drink sitting right next to me to get into that zone. Because once you're there and you're focusing, paying attention, nothing else matters. Yeah. Well, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure. In all seriousness, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for saying hey, yes. It's my pleasure. Um, it's, it's hard to get guests. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me your time. I will do my best to promo the living shit out of all your shit and hopefully you get some uh, new followers and we've converted some people to Donkey Kong yay send me all your things and I'd be happy to do the same for you alright adios everybody bye 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 <laughs>